0: Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined with uh, an all-star cast, Liam Carrigan, dialing in from Japan, we've got Lawrence Conley, uh, dialing in from the green room, and Brian Degnan from the Swindon Shamrock, how are you doing guys? You are good? Very well. Lawrence, it didn't take you long to paint that wall?
1: No, you know, I think the colour choice is somewhat inspired.
0: It is. You're almost camoed uh, in there, uh, the green screen. Anything could be happening if you switch the green screen on. Loads to talk about, All as always in the World of Celtic. We've got the upcoming return to action against Bucky Thistle. Transfers, what transfers? Uh, the SFA continuing to deal with the meltdown and the ticket fiasco. But we're going to kick off Liam Carrigan, the Asian Cup. Mm. Bring us up to date. How's How's your your, is it a home nation? Is it a home nation that we would call it? How are they doing? Well,
2: it's it's my home. Aye, uh, they um they're uh, you know Japan one four two against Vietnam in their opening game. Um, they were a wee bit a uh, wee bit shaky. They were two one down at one point, but they managed to turn it around. Um, it's classic moriyasu Didn't play a full strength team because they thought the game would be a walkover, and it wasn't. The Vietnamese made a really good game of it, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But Moria's man management is a wee bit questionable again because Japan should win this tournament at a canter. They've got by far the best squad, but they can't keep underestimating teams like that. You know, they got mm. lucky, they got away with it this time, but you know they can't try that when they play when they play Iraq in a couple of a couple of days because Iraq are are much better than Vietnam. So yeah,
0: it's one of the ones uh, obviously from a, a kind of selfish perspective in any international tournament, I'm always concerned about our players. I'm a wee bit concerned also, uh, Liam, the fact that uh, Kyogo's on a reserve list. Um, should we be concerned? Is that just something we should uh, airbrush out of our our worries at the moment?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's very, very rare that um, Japan do call on the reserves because Morayasu usually picks at least two or three players for each position because he's that's his style. He's always overly cautious. Um and you know he doesn't like Kyogo. Let's just be honest. That's that's the it appears that way, doesn't it? Aye, um, because there's no there's no logical. You know, if you're talking about form, um, the guy scored the goal this season. You know, the week before the squad was picked. Yeah, um, he's been up and down recently, but still have several players in that Japan team, and they're still they still got picked. Um, What I will say in Moriasu's defense, I've said this before, Kyogo has not thus far played as well for Japan as he does for Celtic. Um, Different system, different players around him. I don't know exactly what it is, but he has not performed to the same level for Japan. But he's only had you know, maybe half a dozen games to do it. And, you know, you can't write a player off after half a dozen games, but at international level, you you can. And Moriasu, seems like he has, unfortunately. But his loss is our game.
0: Yeah, we've seen it in the past where managers who just don't take a shine to a particular player. And they're frozen out. I'm thinking Gordon Strachan and Derek Riordan. Lawrence, any others? Remember, Riordan couldn't get a game, no matter what he did. Yes, he's finished the top. No,
1: I'm sorry, mate. I was... Uh... When Liam mentioned that score of 4-2, I was thinking about days going by. So Captain Porte scores.
0: 1979? Really... Yes, indeed, mate. Yeah, quite yep. a eh? Yeah. Yep. It all turned round. It started turning around in December, and I was born uh, on the 15th of December seventy eight. I don't know if that was just a coincidence. Uh, Brian, with all our players, well, half a dozen of them, on international duty uh, at the moment, does it surprise you that... Uh, it appears that our first signing is going to be a winger. Was a winger on your radar, Brian Degnan? Yes and no. Um, I
3: think that when you, it's interesting because the way Brendan plays, he likes wingers. You know, to be kind of traditional wingers. You know, pacey, getting through byline crosses. Our wingers, Mieda, Abada, aren't really like that. They're not traditional wingers in that regard. So I did expect other wing, maybe another winger to come in. I didn't expect it to be a priority. I think there's there's at least three other areas where we need to improve mm. before a winger. But I'm not hugely shocked. It does leave me to believe that probably a badder's going to go. Um, obviously, it may just be nonsense and, and I, I don't want them to go, but it feels like that's probably the push behind that because otherwise it's hard to see the rationale. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought left-back, goalkeeper, striker, probably our centre-mid, maybe our centre-half. They would all be first before another winger. But, you know, it would be interesting to see when we get to the 1st the of February, what the rationale is behind it, because if we get to that point and there's no other signings, there's going to have to be serious questions asked and answered. Um, however, it's only halfway through the month. I'm still reasonably patient about it. Uh, I'm not panicking just yet, but yeah, it was a wee bit. Not surprised was the winger, because again, I think the wingers we've got don't really suit Brendan. But I didn't think it'd be the first signing of this window.
0: Yeah, I'm just waiting for that interview, Liam, where uh, Brendan kicks in and says, we've got millions of wingers, we don't need another one. However, I'm a wee bit more inclined to believe that uh, Brendan... Is far more involved in this window than he was previously, and that could well be why there isn't this sudden influx of players. It's more of a um, really, you know, ensuring that we're going to get the quality this time rather than than the quantity. Um, is this a Brendan type quality signing, Liam? And are you surprised that it's a winger?
2: Um, I'm not particularly surprised it's a winger because you know we know that's the type of players Rogers goes for, but. I think it's pretty low down my personal list of priorities for players we need to bring in. I would have had left back, goalkeeper, and possibly striker ahead of that, but yeah. that's um, you know that that's just the way it goes. But no, I think it's definitely a, a Brendan Rodgers signing, no question about that. But I I do think that um, I'm a wee bit concerned that that seems to be the only deal we have lined up so far. Um, I was hoping for. You know uh a throwback to 20 uh 2022 when you know we unveiled three players on new year's day um you know unfortunately we that seems to have been a one-off as it turns out but that's the way we should be doing business identifying players in october november and parade them in at the very start of january as soon as we can legally you know finalize the deals um But again, that's also due to the fact that we were operating in the Asian market then Mm -hmm. and the J-League finishes at the end of November. So you do have that month of lead time to work purely on contracts, whereas European-based players are going to be, for the most part, in the midst of their season just now. And they're not going to want to negotiate moves away until the window opens. So... The shift back towards a more European centric approach to transfers, which is what I think Brendan Rogers is doing, is going to perhaps mean these deals take a wee bit longer than we would like, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, um, just so that no one is worried in the comment section, Lawrence, can you confirm by blinking that you haven't been taken hostage? Are you all right? This is my new green This is it. This is it. Yeah, we get the green screen set up for you, mate. Um, I'm going to bring this in because this was something that was being discussed in the comment section yesterday. I didn't want to mention it until there had been concrete confirmation. But yeah, we had the very sad news yesterday that Dennis Conahan had uh, passed away. David Gall sharing that in the comment section, and we all um, share your thoughts on that, thoughts and prayers with his friends and family. Uh, Lawrence, I'm not sure if you remember remember him as a goalie. you a couple of years older than me. Um, he was before my time. But um, I mentioned yesterday on the socials that Dennis gave me a a lot of his time when I was preparing for the Quality Street Gang book. Uh, The reason being that uh, the situation at that time was that a lot of the goalies spent some time in the reserves and they played alongside, you know, this uh, burgeoning talent of Dalgleish, McCarrie, McGrain, Connolly, Um, Paul Wilson, Vic Davidson, uh, Davy Hay, quite a few of them, actually. I think there was a a squad of about 19 that would have got into any other team. And uh, I spoke to the the guys that played the reserve team football with them. And then when it came to the the launch on the night at Celtic Park, Dennis was there. There There's a great image of, I think it was 17 ex-helps turned up at the time. And they're all lined up um, in front of the audience. And he is there. And it was just phenomenal that he gave us the time. That was Eleven years ago now, but um uh, rest in peace, Dennis Conaghan and Lawrence. What was your memories of the goalie?
1: Uh, I, I didn't see him play, you know. I think Latchford was the first keeper. That's one goals. But, uh, who was your first goalie? Peter Latchford. Latchford I think so, yeah. Peter Latchford, mate. Uh, the cat. But I think Dennis won the four Scottish Cubs, didn't he? You know, had a really successful period in the club's history. But yeah, the condolences to his, to his his family.
0: Aye, absolutely. And um, I mean, I've suggested in the past when it comes to the passing of a, a Celtic uh, player, obviously it would be great if the club could work alongside the former Players Association um, in uh, so far as they could obviously liaise with the family. And um, oh, I've even suggested, I know you're a football kit aficionado, Liam, that we should always have uh, some kind of a charity uh, kit, because it's quite clear that the third one is more or less a commercial uh, venture. Have a charity kit whereby all the sales go to the FPA, and therefore any uh, players that pass away their families uh, could potentially uh, benefit during these difficult times. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We're at 700 Live on the the stream, and we've got Giggsy the Poet, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Kevin Graham. He's popped up in the comments section. Nice to see you, Kev. And I hope you're just you know, trying to throw a cat amongst the pigeons here. Afternoon troops, Kuhn and Dykes. Will be the only two we will get, and he's not talking about me. There's no transfer from Axon to the Celtic media team. Liam, have you heard these bizarre rumours about Lyndon Dykes and Celtic? Is it, I is have, it someone? It's chip paper rat and uh, clickbait uh, nonsense. Surely, I,
2: I really hope so. I mean, I've heard, I've heard it, um, and you know, he's a <laughs> he's a decent enough player at a certain level. Um, but that level is not the level we should be aiming for. Um, I, no, I just, I don't, I don't see that happening. I, you know, it reminds me of, and no disrespect to this, this particular player, because I've, you know, I've met him personally, lovely guy, decent player on his day. I remember when Darren Jackson signed for Celtic, um, he came out. And he was paraded. And you know, there's a big there was a big group at Celtic Park because the Daily Record had ran a rumour that morning we were gonna sign Vialli, right? And some some of us actually believed it. And then out comes Dan Jackson. And no harm to Dan Jackson, but when you when you're expecting Gianluca Vialli and out walks Dan Jackson, poor guy got dogs abuse. I don't he was gonna give a statement and didn't even bother. Somebody <laughs> shouted You'd be better off with bloody Michael Jackson. And it was it's was a real, you know, it was unfortunate, but um that's what happens when you don't manage expectations properly, you know. And I think if Lyndon Dykes was paraded as the next big signing, you might have a similar reaction from uh, quite a lot of supporters. And I, frankly, would agree with them. So,
0: You know this, though, Liam, I don't see that as snobbery. I know that a lot of people have uh, mentioned that in the past when we're talking about, let's say, Scottish-based players. I know Lyndon Dykes is down south at the moment. But uh, Shanklin's been mentioned uh, this season, and I don't fancy him. And instantly, people say, "Well, you've got a snobbery against the Scottish game." It's not really that at all. Um, I just think that you do want to step up the standard at Celtic, and you know that disappointment. Albeit, you know, Darren Jackson turned out a decent enough buy for Celtic. You know, in a in a side that obviously stopped the ten, he'll be well remembered mm-hmm. for that. He was a player that was not <laughs> was not liked by the Celtic fan base anyway. I remember going back to the Scottish Cup run. And we had to play a a replay against Hibs at Ibrox. Um, And uh, Darren Jackson was playing for Hibs. And he got dog's abuse all night long and he thrived on it. He loved being the player that the opposition fans hated. And, um, you know, that's not the case with London Dix. I just, yeah, I totally agree with you, Liam. I just think that if we want to improve and we're looking for this magical word quality, that's not it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have said in the past, and I'm going to throw this one over to Lawrence uh, You know, in the last couple of weeks, that I would be quite happy to get transfers that we need now to get the job done this season because I think we've had a few bad transfer windows and it's left us in a predicament where we can't really you know, rely on a player taking six months a la Paolo Bernardo this time round. We really need them, using the old cliche, to hit the ground running. And often it's the more experienced players who might not have the sell-on value Lawrence, but you know they're, they're going to come in. Um, we've done it before. We've done it, you know, during Nandi's first season with guys that were in a different age profile that didn't have as um, high a sell-on uh, kind of fee. And, and we're talking obviously of Juranovic, Yakimakis, Staffel. These guys yeah, we made a, a profit, but it wasn't 10 million quid. It's not a 21-year-old prodigy That has uh, transformed into a 15 million-pound player. Um, and I'm, I'm much more. I'm going to be much more enthused with that type of signing. But if you bring to me uh, McKenna and Dykes and Shankland, I just don't see it improving us as a football team, Lawrence. What's your thoughts? I suppose the
1: last couple of windows haven't really improved this. And I suppose going back there, we'd be we surprised that Screen it's a winner. Well no, our winners were worse, worse than they were last season. So we needed to improve that. And something Liam touched on about Keogh will not being in the team, he's the the form player. He's not been in form for us for a while. Yes, it's for the cracking goal against Rangers, but he's not been form, or he's not been hitting the net as regularly. Part of that, I think, is down to the services game. So I wasn't surprised to see Kuhn coming in because I think gio was a you know, class player, and he knows where the goal is. And a lot of it's down to you know, service from Yang, Johnston. They're not up to the level of jaw, are they? No. Not been injured. It's... So I wasn't surprised to see I think it is players that they, you know, you can get returning players by selling them, but you can also get it, you know, reaching the Champions League and get 60 million quid. So there's players that might be brought in. Look look, look, what a cracking job you've done for us, you know, integral to the team. So yeah, I think it's got to be be players that are getting immediate impact in the first 11. Because we talk about whether it is project players or players that need to develop or Time to settle. You, you can't only bring in players like that. We need it, it, the team's definitely becoming what it's been last season. Uh, and I think, you know, Kyoko, a lot of the services he's been getting. You know, Brendan knows he's a good player. He, he's not playing him all the time. Saying, that, that, this boy can't slow goals. Is the service he's not getting. And I, I think, you has know, been brought in to provide that for
0: him. Yeah. I mean, we have spoken about the, the kind of service, but m- my main concern here is the fact, Brian, that we've already got a bloated squad and we're adding another winger. Um, they're running a, a sweep in the comment section to see who's going to be the first guy to mention Rock Ovata. And I'm sorry, it's going to be me 16 <laughs> minutes into the show uh, because he is a winger and he is a player with first team experience. Wayne, if and when uh, we bring in Nicholas Kuhn, then it takes us to nine wingers. Takes us up to nine. Now, I get that three of them are away on international duty at the moment, but uh, we don't need nine wingers, Brian. And I, and I guess that's where my surprise kind of came from. I agree with Lawrence. The, the service hasn't been good enough from the wings. It's partly the reason why Kyogo's form hasn't been as good as in previous seasons. Um, I think the, the start that was given previously was uh, you know meaningful passes in the box from Yang and Palmer uh, about a month ago, uh, totaled four to Kyogo which, you know, you'd get four a game from Jota, I think, if you were to look at the stats. So, yeah, it's been an issue, but there must be something afoot. And I think the mention of a badder is very important in this one, Brian. Um, If you were to run through the wingers, who's the first choices now? Let's assume there's going to be a transfer announcement at some point uh, today. Um, Who's your first choice? Who's your backup? Who are you loaning out? Maybe players for the future, loan them out for game time, and who's leaving the building for you?
3: If we assume that Kuhn is coming in in a bad a stain, then you think those two on the right, in Maeda and Palmer on the left, and Mikey Johnson, Yang, Telio, Ivata, will all be off. I think that that probably be the, the the clearest way. Oh, he's stuck Forrest there as well, but Forrest will be a lifer. He'll be in the squad eh, and there and thereabouts. Regardless, um, I think so. The way I come in, as I said at the start, I'm no surprised we got a winger. And our Brendan wanted a while. I'm just slightly surprised that we've out and bought one, just purely because I think that we're, we're talking about patience with the transfers, right? And we're talking about the quality squad. And it seems to me that Brendan Rodgers has said he wanted quality in for a while, which would intimate, he's told the recruitment staff, these are the areas I need to strengthen, get these players scouted, and then let's get something done. So I think the delay is probably the amount of players who still want the squad. I would imagine, and this may be a bit pessimistic, I think it'll be two loan deals we'll get. I think it'll probably be a loan for a striker and a loan for a left-back to get to the end mm-hmm. of the season, make sure we win the league, and then continue to the clear out over the summer and get some players in. So it's a wee bit pessimistic, but I suspect that's probably the, the risk of option. But then again, I didn't expect this to spend three million on a winger, unless we're getting money for a badder coming in. So that's a wee bit of concern for me, if I'm honest. Um and I just think that the score's been so badly handled in terms of size for quite a while now that it's no one it's that's where it, like the other day I was on, I said I'd kinda of sympathy for the transfer situation a bit. And while it is Celtic's own doing, to get that amount of players off the books and strengthen in one window is is very, very unrealistic for me. Um, and just on Dykes so I've heard the rumour about uh, Dykes coming for a, for a bit. And I'm kind of torn, if I'm honest, because on paper, you think, well, he's so different from Kyogo in that he was big physical presence, strong, knows the lead, will settle in right away. Probably the way we put crosses in would suit him as well. He offers that different thing from Kyogo, but he's not the greatest of goal scorers. So it depends what you're, you're looking for from him. Um, I disagree with you, Paul, about... Um, Shankland, I would take Shankland. I think he's a good player. Um I know he's a Rangers man, or well suspected to Rangers man, but that's largely relevant to me to be honest. I think he would come and do a really good job. He's, he's done well on a poor heart side. Um and I've got similar feelings with Majofsky. Um I think Majofsky would be my preference because he's younger, he's only twenty-four. But I think again he offers something different from Hugo. He scored a lot of goals in a poor side. I think we're service, especially if you look at the Wee Wee cross compared to previous seasons, where for Kugo where he's been best, is low balls right across the face of the goal. I mean, never a like that now, we'll just put them in high. It's really frustrating. But if that's who he's going to play, I think you need a different striker. So, I wouldn't be devastated if Dykes came in. It wouldn't be my first choice. I'd rather went for a guy like Milowski who knows the league, can walk straight into the team and do a job, I think.
0: Yes, um, I, I get it. I, I get that. And I think... Um... You know, if you're talking about someone who isn't going to take time to you know, acclimatise to the, the league that we're playing, um, I guess we could probably speak about um, the left-back coming in as well. There's rumours for so many players now, it seems to be heating up a bit. And I want to get your thoughts on that. So let us know in the comments um, how you're feeling. Stevie boy, need to remember, it's Rocco Vato, no Rocco Messi. Um, the, the big thing for me, though, that I keep going back to, and I mentioned it on the Wonder yesterday, Liam, is... Basically, the, the the bigger picture, and it's the yeah. fact that we're not producing uh, footballers for Celtic's first team. We seem to be producing them for everybody else. Be that, you know, young guys that don't quite make the step up and end up in the kind of lower reaches of Scottish football. There's so many. Virtually every team in Scotland's got a Celtic player, an ex-Celtic player on their boots, um, or it could be one of these youngsters that are plucked from our academy, you know, before they've, they've even kicked the ball um, in yeah. senior football. But the frustration remains that, you know, it's not really working for us. And I don't know how you can justify it. And what I said yesterday when I was doing my very cold wander around paradise was, um, you know, I'd love to see. And I might have to dig these figures out myself. I'd love to see in the last 20 years the amount of academy graduates that's played 100 games for Celtic because there's not many. And then you've got to look at, right, OK, is it working? Because if it's not, it needs a complete overhaul. And we know that the B team playing in the League leagues not working. Uh, We've tried everything we can, I think, as a club to get a B team in the pyramids. They don't want us to get promoted. We've got a a club that we work in partnership with, Admira Wacker. um, And there's obviously rules as to how many players you can give to these teams. So I think the club are in a very difficult situation. Uh, How do we better that? How do we make it better? Because we're signing a lot of guys. We're talking about bringing in a left back, Liam. right? And I know that there's differences in quality. And We've just loaned out our 21-year-old. We're bringing in a 21-year-old left back. We've just loaned out our own 21-year-old who actually has got a lot more senior football experience than Beck has at Mm -hmm. Liverpool. So there's something not quite right with the academy process and the graduation process to the first team. Um, I can't put my finger on it, but what I said yesterday was if you go five years without promoting youngsters to the first team, actually there's a knock-on for five years because players won't sign for you because they know there's no pathway.
2: Yeah. And you know, th- this this might sound daft, right? But I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> not for the first time. Um, the, uh, the whole idea of the youth team, basically, we need a reserve league, right? Because we've got a big first team squad just now. We have a, a dozen players who are not getting anything resembling regular game time. Because again, there's rules about how many games they can play for the B team and whatever. Um, Really, we should see if see if see if our you know our closest rivals in this league weren't so bitter about any sort of collaboration. We should say to them, look, you need a reserve league. We need a reserve league. Let's get together and let's give the rest of the teams in the league the money they need to to run a reserve league. It would be cheaper than trying to run a B team or run an academy or whatever. Just say to like you know, Kilmarnock, Hibs, Hearts, Motherwell there's 50 100 grand whatever it takes for you to run a reserve game every week do that and it will give us the the platform we need to develop our players because this just is not working right now and i also think and this isn't something we can change it's just a, an opinion i have that the whole structure around youth football at the moment is fundamentally unfair for teams like celtic um because, We are expected, you know, UEFA has this quota that we have to have so many homegrown players and so many Scottish players in our Champions League squad. Yet, numerous times in the last few years, we have ploughed a lot of time and a lot of resources into developing players. And then the likes of Bayern Munich, Liverpool, etc., just step in and take them because they can offer them more money and we get close to nothing for them. Until that is fixed, I really don't think it's fair to insist that any teams outside of the big five leagues in Europe have to have a quota of homegrown players. Because we can't, you know, we unless we can offer them the same money and the same opportunities that clubs like Liverpool and Bayern can, what's the point? I mean, where would you rather be playing? The German second or third division, whatever Bayern's B team are, or... On public parks in the in this West of Scotland League, what would you rather do? You know, I mean, it's it's not really a take take the money out of it. It's just a much better situation. Yeah, for those no players to not. be in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing again that that really annoys me is I used the Adam Montgomery example because uh, obviously we are linked to Owen Beck from Liverpool. Montgomery's got far more games under his belt because he's taken the opportunities that have been uh, um, offered to him in terms of loan deals. And he's obviously on his third loan deal. Sorry, it'll be his fourth, actually. So St. Johnson, Aberdeen, Fleetwood, and now Motherwell. Um, and he'll come back with experience in his legs. But we, we are looking to bring in someone with less experience and bring him in. And I know that the quality angle may be completely different, but you're talking there about a player that we're, uh, uh, we are expecting to bring in uh, in the the coming hours at some point today um who obviously has played a lot of kind of reserve football for teams like Bayern Munich and uh, Ajax you know he uh also played youth football for for Leipzig so i think that we as a as a nation just don't have the the um the setup and we don't have the pyramid setup but i like your idea there uh Liam i don't like working with rangers no. when it comes to anything but i like your idea in terms of working with all the clubs in Scotland to make sure that we do have that bridge because without it, you know, it really is. And what what are the, the youngsters benefiting from? Maybe in a way, trip. Maybe to see how the first team prepares for a game and be in and amongst the first team and, uh, you know, know their mentality and, and who the leaders are and learn that way. I mean, that's important. Jockstein used to do it with the aforementioned Quality Street kids. He used to do that. But they're not really getting much game time. Mitchell Frame gets a few minutes against Firenude. Never seen him since. You know, so it doesn't really work in that respect. Uh, Ola Wieme, highly rated goalie, sat, sat on the bench for the two games against Bodo Glimt, never seen again. And you just yeah. think, well, it's almost a token gesture because you're fulfilling that criteria that's been set by uh, the authorities. So, yeah, I know we've been banging on about Rocco Vata, but Rocco Vata is one in a long line of uh, young, talented players that have left Celtic. Um, and I've heard the argument, yeah, well, he can't be good enough. Brendan Rogers sees him every single day at training. He's a better judge of a player than you are. I get all that, right? But what I would balance it by saying is that how many players in the last 20 years have come through the academy and played 100 games for Celtic? Because if it's a, if it's a handful or half a dozen, that's no good enough. Lawrence, what do we do to solve it, can we? Are we in a situation where we really are at the mercy of Scottish football in this one? Yeah, listen, there's
1: lots of factors, but I don't think Celtic manage it the best look at the size of the squad how, how are the boys going to get heavy? You, you know if they're in the squad we, we need to concentrate and slamming that squad down to give the boys a chance I mean we've talked on it here before you some Champions League level players some project players some SPL players but then the, the rest need to be coming from your own ranks listen some of them will take the chance you know if you get two or three games because of injury look at tell Tierney you know took his chance to have a look back but just now it's just so locked in front of him you can't spend like what was it the end, one and a half million or something and then play that in front of him you, you, you know there is an investment the club have made there and i said no this is the, the scouting department's been out and looked at him i think it's a cracking winger. i honestly don't know if he's done anything that i wouldn't have done in the game time that he's been given you know, I'm not saying we have a standard game, he beats guys occasionally, you're going to expect that to win us. But yeah. I think a lot comes down to, we don't help ourselves, you know, with the size of the squad we've got. We need yeah. to have a plan to stick more rigidly to it. You know, half the squad could sit in the house, you know, because I'm not in the matchstick squad. No. So it's literally throwing money away. And... Brendan's talked about bringing quality in and, and, and slowing the squad down. Well, hopefully, they're listening. You know, Brendan sees it. Yeah. Obviously, whoever's be, been a uh, director of football, whatever, perhaps hasn't had that foresight to, to say, "Wait a minute, we've got a few too many players in the books here. What's going on? This can't be happy." You know, if you're no. sitting sit in the bench and you're getting one or two games a season,
0: Benjamin Sigurs, yeah. You, you there's, know, an, there's been, an example there's an example Lawrence two games he's played since he came to Celtic Benji Segrist two games League Cup yeah, and he's I'm not even saying, on the bench so then you had yeah, Ben there was he better than
1: Ben probably looked alright but he'd United could he do it Celtic I don't know he's never really the like a chance he's Carter Hazard went away on a league with Helsinki, will send loaned them out he's down south doing well would he have given us any any less than Segrist those two games, you know, between Bain and, and, and Hazard? Oh, well, we've spent a load of money and we've got an unhappy player.
0: You know, I'd rather, I'd rather think a think young guy. Lost. A young guy got those two wow. games, Lawrence. I'd yeah. rather a young graduate. And that feeds into the conversation we're having. And I think we're now in a situation, Brian, moving on to what we're doing in terms of the loans and getting some players out of the, the building. We're in a situation where we've got a South Korean second division midfield player who costs us a million quid. And he's nowhere anywhere near our first team, and we're now having to loan him out. And what type of loan is it? Is it a is it a development loan? Do we actually believe Quan's going to come back? Did we not have a player already at the club who could have done what Quan has done for Celtic this season, which is sat on the bench twice? I'm pretty sure we could have done. So going back to Lawrence's point, Brian, it's it's actually we're the architects of our own situation here, aren't we? And it's going to take a number transfer windows to sort it out. There's no way you can wave a magic wand and do it in a couple of transfer windows. You're going to have to consistently move on more players that you're bringing in. And it's going to take four, five, six transfer windows to get it to a manageable level. And that's, in the meantime, you're hemorrhaging cash on wages.
3: Absolutely right. And it's it's what I said at the the start. That's where I've got, it's, it's a mixture of patience and frustration because I'm frustrated we even got to this point in the first place. But I know it's going to take a while to sort my concern is if there's no, and this is like my buzzword, but if there's no strategy in place long term, it's not going to get sorted because every three years when we get a new manager or every two years, it defaults back to zero. So, say you recruit your academy and you've got your, your under 16s, under 18s, whatever, reserves, all playing a certain style of football, a certain way. In theory, if one of your first team players gets injured, they can come in because they know how the team's playing, they're training together it should fit in for the type of players you need for that position, see. But if you keep changing managers and keep changing approaches and keep changing recruitment, every year, that resets back and then you over-recruit. So it's even less chance for these young guys to come through. So to Lawrence's point, like, I've said it a bunch of times, I know we mentioned Vata, but, you know, this when Summers, you know, he gets sent out and loan in to, the, to the Austrian second division club or whatever it is, or, championship club and you think well, surely he could get game time at some point fifth, last 15 minutes of a game the boy frame surely you know if we're playing I don't know whoever at home right you can play your strongest 11 play your know, strongest 10 and have one of the young guys in there and even if he's the greatest of the game it's a chance then you can just replace him at the bench and they get your strongest 11 there's got to be ways to go there's got to be like a, a considerable way because if these guys at 17 or 18, they're not going to be the finished article. But if you don't think they're going to get anywhere near the team, if you don't think they've got the potential, just release them. There's no point in continuing loaning them out, sending them lightning gun Is he going to come back and be the first team left back that's going to help us succeed in Europe? by being loaned at Motherwell? I'm not sure. He's nearly 22. At some point, you've got to make the call and say, right, why keep sending them out and all the time? It's just throw the dice on it. It's just... There's just it's frustrating for me because it doesn't seem a, a real strategy. It's a very scattergun approach. Now, the B team experiments clearly know what with the Lowland League. I like I, at least they're trying something different with this Austrian team. And if next season, you know, the guys that are loan there, like Summers, Michael Wild, and at Fleetwood, um, I think it's McKenzie's loan at um, the Austrian club as well. They'll come back in and contribute next season. But I mean, if they don't and they all get released, it's been the point. It's just such a strange dynamic at the moment, and I'd love, I'd love to know if these conversations are happening. If they're saying, "Right, recruitment team, look, we need to turn back recruitment now. We need to stop signing these project players and try and develop our own." That's the new strategy. Let's stick to it for a couple of years and see if it works. But until something changes and you have those conversations, I don't. It's, it
0: feels like an endless cycle. It does. It does. Just as a recap, there are quite a few players out on loan at the moment. Uncle Nobby's steamboat said it yesterday. I don't think the academy, I don't think the academy is failing. I think whoever runs it doesn't have the ability to spot talent so much so. Top clubs come in out of the blue and take the young players. And if you've not got that pathway to the first team, they will leave, dangling that carrot, of course, of riches as well as prospects. Um, Mackenzie that, oh, yeah,
3: Paul, sorry, just, just on that, it means a good point. And some of the comments you mentioned it as well, I used to go on about being the Dane Murray CSC because I thought it had all the characteristics of a player that could do well for us. Mm-hmm. He's never been seen since. And we spoke earlier about some of these guys that went to Munich or went to other clubs. What do the scouts of Bologna that want Vata see that our coaching don't see? What do the guys at Munich see and the players they took that we never saw? What do these other clubs that scout our players see that we don't? And if they think they can do a job in the Italian league, surely they can do a job against St at home. Like, it, it, that blows my mind. I, that's what I don't, that's where the frustration is because we're scouting guys for the green second division as opposed to promoting somebody for our guy James at 18. Just give him a shot. And if you give him a, a shot and they fail, then sign somebody. But it should always be the first option. I'm a big fan of home. I think he's an excellent player. I think he's going to go and do great things for us. But, instead of signing a 20-year-old, play one of our youth midfielders first, give him a few games, and if he's not good, then sign the 20-year-old prospect. I just don't get the system behind it.
0: No, it is. And it's uh, it's constant, isn't it? There's a conveyor belt of talent leaving the club and there's a lot of other people's projects and prospects joining our club. Mackenzie Cars went to Queen's Park. Uh, he's one of the star men of the B team at the moment. That definitely looks like a development loan for for him. Uh, Mira Wacker, took uh, two of our players, Toby Obeliemi and Matthew Anderson. Uh, Anderson's played a, a fair bit of football. Obeliemi, unfortunately, like happened when he went to Ireland, he got injured early doors. And Ben Summers is absolutely starring uh, um, for Dunfermline Athletic. I was speaking to um, a lad last week who says that he's been really impressed with him. So we do have uh, plenty of uh, transfer speculation to talk about. I'm going to start off with the goalie, Liam, because I know it's your position. Uh, you're a keeper yourself. We've been linked with a few. Um, Kelleher, he's a name that's been linked with Celtic time and time again, probably for the last 12 months. Um and we've also got Hakon Valdemarsen um who apparently um is on our radar as well, the Icelandic goalkeeper. So I don't think um I think you know the goalkeepers on a meet you know, a kind of long a long list. I don't think it's a priority in this window, particularly when we've got two other goalies on the books who aren't going anywhere.
2: Well, I mean, my first thought is the board would go for the Icelandic fella just for the name and number, shirt sales. But, um, <laughs> they, um, no, bo- both of those goalkeepers would be good acquisitions, I think. Kelleher, you know, he's done it at the top level. Um, he is still young in goalkeeper uh, terms. Um, money would be the issue, you know, that. that's... because uh, What are they talking, you know,
0: like 10 million quid for a aren't they?
2: Aye, but remember, he's got into the last year of his contract, I believe, so that that's going to be negotiable, especially if he wants to go. And, you know, I get the impression that, that Liverpool, the way they are, it's like if a player wants to go, they don't really, they're not going to stand in his way as long as the, the offer isn't derisory. You know, I think if they're saying 10, we could probably get them for six or seven, bear in mind the contract situation. But the wages is what would probably scupper it for me. I think the Icelandic keeper's a better idea. Bring him in, have him apprentice under Joe Hart for six months and then see if he's up to taking the, the gloves over after that. Um because I do think Joe's probably heading to Shrewsbury at the end of the season. Um that's you know that seems like the natural end game for him. Although he is a guy I would love to keep around the squad just for the the experience and the, the sort of uh, the positivity that he brings, um, but yeah, I'd, I would I would go with this big Icelandic keeper whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce.
0: <laughs> okay, um, it's Hakon Valdemarsson. Uh,
2: Valdemarsson, right? Okay, Valdemarsson. Valdemarsson,
0: There we go. Um, just for anyone wondering why we didn't mention the fact that Celtic Women's have appointed uh, Elena Sadiku yesterday, we just ran out of time. Uh, we're big supporters of the women's team. Lawrence, you'll know you've covered some of the games in the past. Uh, We were patrons of the women's team last season, uh, supporting them as much as possible. And, of course, Fran Alonso left the club um, for Passers New and has now been replaced two-and-a-half-year deal. Um, And I think the reasons, though, Lawrence, just very briefly here, uh, the reasons that Fran left is he didn't feel he was backed, did he? So I don't know how much of a, a focus or an onus is truly being put into the women's team, although... Obviously, we um, are constantly reminded to, to um, ensure that we're covering it by, you know, by the means of getting invited to press conferences and the games and getting press accreditation. That's one thing, and we're more than happy to cover it, and I enjoy it, and a lot of the actual contributors share that. However, I'm not quite sure that the club are taking it seriously as they should.
1: Certainly did Tran was the third of fourth best-funded team in the league. Yeah, punching above yeah. his weight. Yeah, definitely. The development of Barracuda may help things. It's good that the supporters are for them. You know, there's a the sports bust now to away games. Uh, mm-hmm. Great win, nine nil against Montrose. Uh, Box on the score sheet again. Uh, yeah, it's grand. Done wonders. And you know, look at. It turned out we lost the league in the last few minutes, but. Look at the crowd that turned up at the back-to-back girls.
0: Yeah. Incredible couple of games at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. yeah. If they put the product there and invest in it, they'll get people that turn up. You know, they'll get, they'll get a crowd. And, yeah, I, I, I think it's um, here's very much a pick box exercise, is not it? You know, we've got a girls team. How much funding will we give it? It's not like money's tight at the moment, you know, and it's not like us saying, you know, give them 5 million, give them 10 million you know, much to we spend in court because we would have lost anything if we just given that money to the girls team and allowed them to develop. So, yeah, she definitely uh, back them a bit more. You know, new coach comes in from Everton. We'll see what she brings. You know, she's got big shoes to fill with Franny. He certainly was uh, engaging. The sports liked him and he got, got the girls playing for him. So, hopefully she continues on his good work. But you you hope the club would be be investing,
0: And, you know,
1: it's the the of start of both
0: best-funded. We should be the best-funded team in the league. Oh, yeah. Totally agree with that. And you had someone there who was sparking the interest levels in Fran Alonso. had the charisma. Lawrence, has a great interview with Jerry Taylor on our channel. Go and check it out. Just before he left, actually, he was quite honest and open. Didn't get the sense that he was going to leave, to be fair, but there was obviously a few things he was unhappy with at the club and their budget was uh, certainly one of them. I just feel uh, that if you buy a CL6 season ticket, you should be able to to go to B-team games and women's games. And I think if you want to introduce the existing fan base to these two teams who are largely new teams in in terms of becoming professional in the women's game and being a league team uh, with the B-team, the only way to introduce it is to get the the punters along, you know, and uh, open up the season tickets. Don't try and sell existing season ticket holders tickets for the B team and the women's team let us go to the game see it for ourselves make a decision you might not enjoy yeah. it
1: even if they didn't want to make it free make it an option that's kind of no-brainer you know, an extra 1967 or an extra 1888 on your season book automatically you not know, get you into the girls team and it's be a, be a negative option I don't want that you need to technically didn't want it you'd raise the funds straight away
0: to support the team, An extra you know, 19, was, yeah. he's been working in the Celtic superstore, isn't he, Liam? With, with that kind of <laughs> chat, was that no? The hotline number, remember the club card? Yeah,
2: <laughs> oh, god,
0: hey, I remember that time we got a phone call and it was uh, a, it was a Glasgow number, right? And ended, it was either 1967 or 1888. And I'm thinking, what's this all about? Thinking it might have been somebody for the club shop, maybe somebody for tickets or whatever, you know, a generic number. A Celtic hmm. number and answered that it was Don Mackay. Remember, he was phoning everybody, and it was Don <laughs> Mackay, the new CEO. I was like, Wow, somebody's doing a very good impression of Don Mackay here. They're setting us up There's for a fall. A fall. <laughs> There's a foreign player whose last four digits his mobile number at 1888. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, I spoke to him.
1: Not the most popular player amongst fans. Eh, commentator amongst fans, but always a great guy when you meet him. Play at take photos and chat about Celtic.
0: As a player as a player, if you were just to base it on him as a player, probably uh, the, the the last great goal scorer that we produced, I mean, I've thrown Jerry Craney in there, but Charlie Nicholas in the 80s, particularly in his first spell, um, and then he came back. And, and let's not forget, see, when he came back, he scored 20-odd goals under Liam Brady. Um what when he came through with Danny Craney, him and Danny's, and, and,
1: you know, it did not work out long-term with Danny Celtic, but Danny's goals were really important and winning the league sort of chalice yep. against Rangers and he, he's a fun debut you know but, yep. but there was a boy that was giving his chance he contributed
0: didn't work out long time I think he went to it was Australia he went to he ended up um, did he not end up in the same team as Ange Porter Koglu if you want to check his uh, previous team, <laughs> team <laughs> there, there's a I know he ended up that
1: uh,
0: goals up when he's good right there, there's a and team with Lawrence Danny Crane. Antiposicoglu, there's your link right there. Um, Stephen Donnelly, let's get some of your thoughts in here. Good afternoon, all. I like the look of the big Icelandic goalie we have been looking at, looks commanding. Um, yes, and I just, I, I think that, you know, at this stage, unless Seagrass was to leave the building, um, I'm not sure we'll bring anybody in. Uh, it's just all about having too many bodies in the door, Although, I say that, and we brought in another winger. So what the I know? Give them zero tickets, says Jungle Line. We're going to be talking about that in a wee second in relation to uh, the Glasgow Derby ticket allocation. And David Boyle comes in to say, slow moving, but key to get it right. Beck, please, with option to buy or what we're thinking of Doig. Right, so the situation with Doig is, it looks as though well it was a done deal with Marseille. That has collapsed. And um, at this moment in time, he's not actually moved. It was four and a half million quid they were talking about. For Doyle, I liked him particularly in his first season at Hibbs. Um, he looked very, very useful at left back, and uh, he obviously has progressed marvelously since he's went to uh, going over to, to Italy. Um, so, do us uh, here we go. Do us uh, as Celtic fans. Do us as Celtic fans have the patience that is required? Asks Paddy Lavery. Right, I'm going to use this as the next talking point, then Liam, because um, as uh, I keep saying, if I ever meet anybody who has got an interest in Celtic, be it an author, an ex-player, anybody, uh, I will become a sponge and try and get as much information as I can, Liam. And I heard from a very good source, a direct source, that uh, Brendan Rodgers, uh, you know, his uh, approach to the recruitment and the scouting and the, you know, in his first tenure, completely changed when it came to that moment where terminado had set in, right? Um, but prior to that he had, and I get stuck for using this all the time, a laser focus when he was looking at players to the point where everything, it was, he went through everything with a tooth comb to make sure it was the right player, the right personality, the right fit for his team. And I think that in the summer, we can all kind of agree that wasn't the case. That's not the way we went about our recruitment. No. But this, you know, the delays, the fact that we're not bringing in player after player after player would suggest to me a lot of that's down to Rodgers' approach now, becoming, you know, returning to what it was when he was fully invested with a fire in his belly first time round. I think we're returning to that. And I guess that if there are any anxieties, I keep reminding myself it's for the best because we're going to get the right player, not three guys who are not going to play.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, just let, let's just see where we are. At, you know, uh, still two weeks to go at the end of the month. Let, let's see where we are then. Um, as said before, I would rather have it done early, but. Like you say, Rogers when he's on his game, is not that type of manager. He is the guy who checks every minutiae before confer- committing to to bringing a player in. Um, and he didn't have the chance to do that in the summer. Um, I'd be interested to know. I mean, not, we'll never know the answer, but I would, I, would, I would be interested to know at what point did the board actually know that Ange was away and at what point did they turn to Brendan Rodgers? Because um, I think it probably happened a lot faster than we thought it did. Um, because it just seemed to come, you know, the first couple of times I heard Brendan Rogers link when we moved back to Celtic, I honestly thought it was a joke. Uh, I really thought it was, you know, you know that thing that's, that fans of other clubs do, where they they tip off Sky Sports, and Sky Sports being as ignorant as they are of Scottish football, just run the story anyway, you know. Your, your das, Elzavon is going to sign for Aberdeen, that kind of thing, right? Um, That, you know, that, that, um, it, it, you know it's a uh, it's. I really thought that was the way we were going with the Brendan Rogers thing, but then it actually happened. So mm-hmm. I do wonder just how how quickly that was moved along, because I really think he's came in and he's not had the time to really do what he wants to do in the summer. Like get get three or four players in now. Get this get this championship over the line. That's the most important thing. What we do from then on is really up to is really up to us. Um, you know. Get this championship over the line. That is crucial. Get that 60 million in the bank. And you know what? Say if we sign three or four players now and they're duds, we can recycle them in the summer. Just get this get this League One. That is the absolute top priority right now.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why I keep going back to um, the, the positions on the park that need uh, new faces this transfer window. And I'm not concerned if they're not 21-year-old with a potential sell-on of a profit of 10 million quid. You know, just get the right players in, even if it's a loan. And I put it out today with with Beck, for example. I've seen as much as, I'm, as as most when he was at Dundee. He looked impressive to me. In terms of his stature, um, his build, he doesn't look any better than Greg Taylor. I mean, there's a lot of development to be done there. And I know that uh, when it comes to physicality, that's been a concern about our left-back position, one of the midfield positions. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think we're improving on that. We've already got... Two wee guys, if you like, Lawrence at left back and Burnaby and Taylor. Can you see us going for this young Welsh player? I say young, 21 year old, same age as Adam Montgomery. He spent a few loan deals at uh, Bolton, one in Portugal, and of course in Dundee. He was really impressed at Dundee. You will have seen the video of him uh, in the dugout with with Klopp last week, where he was getting a a wee bit of a team talk um, or a wee session from Jurgen Klopp. He's highly, highly rated, but is that the type of player? that you would expect us to be going for to wrap up this title? Because he looks, for me, to be an understudy to Greg Taylor and very similar in terms of his physicality.
1: I wouldn't say anyone that's they're going to be starting. I just don't see the point. We've got a bloated squad. You know, unless they're starting for the next six months, I wouldn't be signing them. Maybe with the exception of keeper, just because we've got two keepers up moving in the summer at Hart Seacrest. But, but outfield players... So, the players we sign need to be stars. You know, Seagrass, uh, sorry, Bernabe, need to move in. He, he, he's not going to make it to Celtic Park. What's the point in putting Montgomery out on another loan if we're not going to give him a chance in the summer? If he's getting a chance in the summer, why are you bringing another, another guy that's also going to be chasing Greg Taylor? We want to improve the first team. We need to get better. And I think, you know, another, did I say, a project player is the answer to this window. It, You know, he's looked okay at Dundee, but but that's all. But Paddy Larley made a good point, you know, do do us as fans of the patience. You know, I I was talking to some of the recruitment team, and look at Jack Henry. Did we really have the patience with Jack Henry? Is he a decent centre-half? Is he proven at Champions League level? Yes. Did we as fans, you know, get on his back as soon as he made a mistake in a Celtic shot? His confidence was shot that Celtic Park with the amount of abuse he was getting. So sometimes, you know, the, the, the fans don't have that patience in players. Oh, would you take Jack Henry at centre
0: half just now? I think you'd be a decent option for us oh, yeah. But yeah, So I, I think I take I take his late. teammate Lawrence, I take his big centre forward teammate before I took him. I've got to say, Musa Dembele But oh, I get your point. Get Moussa but look,
1: listen, anyone we sign out for your players, we've got the starters. You know, no, I agree with that. the team. You know, there's 60 million on the line. We've got into a fight for a league title that should never have been. Now, whether that's through... We've had the injuries, which hasn't helped. There was obviously a transition with a new manager coming in. There's been the strange implementation of R that's certainly kept the league closer than it would have been. But, you know, we're we're, we're, we're four and a half months away from deciding who's going to win this. I think it is time for the ball to bag the manager. And I think that... The managers played them well. He, you know, I think that's why it's taking away while to get players in. He said, No, nah. whoever they put in front of that's not a quality, that's not a quality. Yes, and the board exactly. have had to eventually come back to the quality that he wants. Yeah. So I think it's down to Brendan just saying, That's why there wasn't players lined like no. up, you know, coming in at the beginning of the window. I'm sure those players put in front of him. And Brendan just went, No, nah, they're not quality.
0: 100%. That, that's the point I was making, Lawrence, because I think you know obviously, the discussion I'm talking about. Uh, and it got to the point where Brennan was just barely looking at the list he was being provided with. you know. And it could have been a long list. It could have been a list that's whittled down to five players. He was saying, no, I don't want them. And that was the first time round. I think we're now at that situation where we could have signed half a dozen players, if you think about it, you know, agents throwing players at us um, during every single transfer window. And that's the one thing I'm clinging on to and I'm saying, it's all about the quality. That's why it's taken a wee while longer. Patrick Harold, um, good afternoon to you as well. Always great to see you popping up on the comments. And Barry O'Sullivan, um, afternoon all. I think we have a great opportunity to put the feel-good factor back in the club in this transfer window. We need to take it. Yeah, I agree. Bring in Jota and Moussa Dembele and we'll be definitely <laughs> fully the, feel, the feel-good factor. David Boyle, I am feeling like you have to treat Celtic with the patience you have for your three-year-old. And again, I understand the frustration but you know I'm, I'm constantly going back to this conversation I had in regards to scouting and recruit, recruitment and the way that Brendan does business and identifies players. And by the way, he was a massive fan of Jack Kendry, as you know Lawrence. He was a huge fan of Jack Kendry, But sometimes it just doesn't work with a particular player. He's gone on, he's played Champions League football, international football, um and obviously he's now earning a lot of money in Saudi Arabia. But uh, I don't think he did get a great chance whilst at Celtic, and he maybe didn't take the chance either. Uh, Ridiculiser, welcome back to the show. Seagrass was looking like the best keeper in the league when we signed him, strange one. I think if you go back to the shows around that time, we probably would, would agree with that. Okay. Uh, Pete McGee, here's a thought. If we'd given Dokum a minimum of 20 starts, would he be at Liverpool now? Well, apparently he would. He was determined to leave Celtic. That's what we have been told. So he would have gone in any case. Uh, Kaizo one two zero. Riordan was a Bampot bad example of an SPL striker signing for Celtic. He was a cracking striker. Don't you know? Don't forget how talented the boy was. But you know, Bampot. If you're tuning in, Derek, it's uh, not my words. It was those of the the commentator on the comment section. Um, quick one then, Brian. Ticket fiasco. I'm a bit surprised it's still on the table because we all know that Rangers have already sold the tickets. We can't go back to normality as it was, and we can't go 750 because the club doesn't think our fans are safe at 750. So surely this isn't going to go anywhere, do you think?
3: Yeah, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, and it certainly shouldn't if they're off in 750 again. We, we, we saw the disgraceful scenes against our fans when it happened before, and quite honestly, you know, I think that they were so petty and I don't think we should ever forget the reasons they didn't want the fans there it's because we are battering them all the time and they get sick of seeing them celebrate and then when they thought things are getting a bit tighter i going to beat the fans back in because we might have a chance now Martin's then they get battered again oh actually no change back change back change back The same the VAR or oh, one want VAR and or oh, stop complaining about penalties it's not a conspiracy first thing they don't get a penalty because it was offside before the incident happened it wasn't a penalty complain about VAR no that's terrible we want it it's, you can't negotiate with that. You can't negotiate with stupidity and neither should you. Fan safety is paramount and if they're not going to get the complete
0: allocation, don't bother. I agree with that, Brian. And by the way, I, I can't really add to it. I think you're spot on. They had people guarding the goalposts just in case we, Lee Griffiths were <laughs> going to tie a, a scarf it's to starts it. dangerous, mate. Yeah, uh, they can be. They
3: definitely
0: the they can be. They're protecting the statues. <laughs> yes.
2: I mean, Surely, first of all, they should focus on keeping their own manager in the stadium before they worry about letting Celtic fans in, you know? Good point. No, I mean, look, how, how ironic was it that the Rangers manager became a man behind the wire at the weekend? <laughs> you know?
0: Fantastic. That meme <laughs> That meme is going to live on, just like Kazinia in the Hedge. Anyway, let's not talk about them. Um, when I was doing my wonder yesterday, and I was looking at a beautiful, cold, frosty morning, but lovely, great skies, and uh, I'm looking up at the stadium and I was just thinking, it's always on the, the forefront of my thoughts and uh, the fact that, that that main stand could obviously increase the capacity of what to redevelop it. I think, Liam, the only reason Celtic would do that is if Rangers increase their capacity, so that we can try and maintain the advantage financially, uh, season on season. Um, until then, yeah. I just don't think we're going to look at it.
2: I mean, it's, it's like so many other facets of the club. We do just enough for the board to do what they think is necessary to keep us slightly ahead of the rest. Um, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to, to Rangers for things like stadium and facilities and, you know, that as, that asbestos ridden mess over on the south side has fallen to bits. We should not be comparing ourselves to that. We should be comparing ourselves to you know, decent European stadiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things like Dortmund for example, their they're, they're stadium with the rail seating, etc. It's first class. Um, you know, the I mean, a big, I, you know, respectfully, I'd say a bigger club, Manchester United. Um, I remember going to to Old Trafford when when we played them in the Champions League. Uh, God, two thousand six it was, yeah. and um, you know the facilities they had there were just on a completely different level to anything in Scotland. Um, you know, really are ones these are things we should be looking at. We shouldn't be looking at what's happening at Hamden or what's happening at Ibrooks, what's happening anywhere else in Scotland, because we are on a different level economically. We should be on a completely different level to anything else in Scotland, and that you know, it's the same, it's the same way, you know, people say, Well, you're not going to compare Ajax to Groenigan, are you? You know, you're not going to compare Roma or AC Milan to Lecce or Venezia so why should you compare Celtic to Rangers, (laughs) I mean really No, I agree agree. the historical precedent went out the window in 2012, that's that's the end of it, this club that calls itself Rangers now is not that one that and even the old club when it was a level playing field we wiped the floor with them consistently Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's not how we should be judging ourselves. But unfortunately, our board have this idea that we need to cling on to the bigotry. We need to cling on to the tribalism. We need to cling on to the the, the, the worst base elements of being a football fan in Scotland. Uh, rather than just saying, uh, no, let's just move beyond that and just build a truly European level club, which is what we should be.
0: Yeah, I think you you match yourself up with the absolute best in the game. If you're talking stadiums, look at the best stadiums in Europe uh, or globally. Right down to things like, um, you know, the stadium tour that Celtic is very, very popular and it's highly regarded. But um, who do you compare it to? Well, you should be comparing it to Barcelona, Real Madrid. I'd love to have that job at the club. Just send me all around the world and I'll do your reviews for you and tell you what you need to approve on. But you're right compare yourself to the best in the business. Uh, A couple of wee points before we wrap up for this afternoon. Barry McCluskey, always an absolute pleasure, Barry, to have you on the comments section. Why should it matter if Franklin is a Rangers man? The only question should be if he's good enough. I agree with that. Uh, We all know players in the past who have come through at Celtic and signed for Celtic um, who were Rangers fans as kids, brought up Rangers fans, and it didn't matter. Kenny Dalglish being a Not a bad player uh, for Celtic, who obviously was brought up as a Rangers fan. If you speak to Danny McGrain, he'll tell you he was never a Rangers fan, incidentally. Uh, That's all turned into a bit of a myth. But yes, I'm the exact same. If you're good enough, then you can play for Celtic Football Club. And hopefully we'll have that level of quality between now and the end of the month. We'll be back, obviously, tomorrow at 12.30. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the comments section. A thousand strong on this Tuesday afternoon. Let us know if you're catching up um, your thoughts on any of the discussion points today. And all that's left for me to say is once again, Liam Carrigan, Brian Degnan and Lawrence Connolly. thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Network.